morning to everybody. It's good to see you on this chilly morning. I heard it's supposed to be 32 degrees this morning. Up where we live in uh, Indiana, there were a chance of snow flurries last night. We live as far north as Indianapolis and then halfway between Indianapolis and Ohio line. So uh, we're not ready for snow yet, but uh, that was sure in the forecast. It's good to see you and good to be with you all this week. Um, in, uh, in Newcastle, what we often do with, in regard to preachers that we invite to come in to hold meetings for us, we generally say something like, well, just bring your thunder. And what we mean by that is lessons that have meant a lot to you and that as you preach them, your sense of things is that they're, they're really uh, helpful to other people. And, and that's, what, that's what we want you to bring. Occasionally we make special requests, but generally that's the case. Uh, and, and here, I, I've, I, for the next uh, these four days with you all, uh, I've not been asked to just bring my thunder, whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, I have been asked to do a very specific thing here with you, to talk with you about uh, a church and her elders. And I, my job is not to talk about what the qualifications are specifically, though we will talk about that some. But just in a general way, just let's talk about an, an eldership and how, do, how does it come about and, and how, do, how does a church relate to elders and how are elders developed and... Uh, What's the working relationship supposed to be like, and things like that. And so that, that's what I'll try to do. And uh, I so wish that at the end of each time there we'd have a question and answer period or something like that for discussion. Uh, so since we don't have that planned, let me just offer that if you'd like to talk some more about these things or questions, disagreements, uh, whatever you'd like to do, uh, I, I tell you, I would just be delighted to uh, continue our conversation in that way. So you just uh, know that. Let me let me tell you a little bit about how this this less these this series of lessons came about. For the last several years, I've been serving as an elder in the church at Newcastle, and then, of course, I mean, I I've been preaching for over forty years. And in fact. On the way in yesterday, Kim was asking me about my connection with Somerset, and I said, "Well, I started preaching at Goochtown. She she knew Goochtown. She's been there, and lived in Eubank for two years. And so I, my, the people that were influential on me, I I know I'm going way back now, but uh, Art Ogden and Paul Johnson and uh, some of those folks in the Bible classes in Danville, Kentucky, and I was involved in all of that." And, uh, and, and so that, that amount of time has passed. Well, anyway, so in Newcastle, I've been serving as an elder for a while, and um, a friend who is an elder and preacher on the west side of Indianapolis asked me if I would put together some lessons on the eldership and kind of gave me some directions that resulted in this lesson, this series of lessons. And so I have done that, and... And um, Josh knew about those and, and thought they might be helpful here. And so that's kind of how it's come about. And so over the next four days, here's kind of what we're going to be talking about. This first lesson this morning, 
uh, I want it, it to. It's going to be a very general and basic lesson, and it's going to emphasize some things that are true for all Christians. But I, I hope you'll be watching for the specific application of what I'm going to say to a congregation's healthy and happy relationship with the elders. And I hope you'll see the connection between this lesson and the development of elders, the kind of kind of people that you're looking for to serve as elders. So we're not going to be talking in the Bible class time just a whole lot about elders specifically, but we'll, we'll lay really important groundwork for everything else that we're going to talk about. And then later this morning, we'll talk about what the work of an elder is. And then tonight, the Lord willing, we'll talk about the qualifications of an elder related to the work. I, I'm, I'm not going to be going through each of the 25 qualifications and saying, here's what it is, and now here's what it means, and here's what it is, and here's what it means. I'll not be doing that, though there's a need for that. That's, that's not what I'm going to be doing in this series. And then on Monday night, we'll talk about the elder church relationship. How's a, how's a church supposed to treat her elders? And then Tuesday night is where do elders come from? You don't have elders here. How do you get elders? What's the process like? And so in, in all of these lessons, we're going, to be, we're going to be searching for the mind of God. I mean, my job is to get out of the way, just like a preacher's job always is. You're not here to listen to Phil Morgan. You're here to listen to what God has to say. And I understand that. My responsibility is to teach what the Bible says. I understand that. And I, my job is to get out of the way. We want to listen to the mind of God. And in His plan is for local assemblies of Christians to have oversight, to have leadership, to have shepherds who protect, whose hearts invested in this work. That's God's plan. And we're going to listen to what God has to say about that. Now, the last lesson in this series, Wednesday night, is going to be a little bit, it's going to be the same. We're going to approach it from a little bit different way. We're going to try to look inside the heart of an elder. And the lesson is called an elder's wish list. And and that lesson started out in a very small circle of people. What, what, what do elders wish for? And my wishes are reflected in that lesson. And then I had a chance to broaden it a little bit. And I, I, I sent out requests to other places and to other people whose work as elders I knew about and respected. And I asked them that question. What, what's, what's on your wish list? And, I, and so Wednesday night the Lord willing, we'll be talking about what's in the heart of an elder. And uh, I hope that will be an, an, an appropriate and helpful way to conclude a whole series of lessons that's seeking to know the mind and the will of God. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. So let me, let me start out this morning by asking you to help me just a bit. I need, need a show of hands to kind of see where we are. I know there are no elders in this congregation. I know that much. But let me, let me just ask you, um, um, how many of you, I need a show of hands, how many of you have worked, or have worked, been members of a congregation where there are elders working in effective ways, you're just really happy for their work there? How many of you have been part of a congregation where there are elders working in a really good and effective way? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, 
15, 16, 17, 18. Okay, 32 people. I don't know how many here. I didn't get a chance to count. Okay, so you have you have that kind of experience. How many of you have been in the family of an elder? Uh, maybe you've served as an elder. Maybe you've, your your husband was an elder. Maybe you, your your dad was an elder. Your you know how many of you know what it's like to be in the family of an elder? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Okay, that's that's good. Good. Um, how many of you have seen a congregation appoint elders? You, you've been a part of the process of examining all this, what the Bible says, examining men and appointing elders. You've been through that process. How many of you have been? Okay, I'm not going to count. Okay, several of you have, okay? Um, how many of you have seen elderships, an elder resign or an eldership dissolve? And a church go, wow, okay, okay, okay. Y'all need to be up here talking about this subject. <laughs> All right, there is a wealth, I, I know in an auditorium you don't get to see how many hands are up. Um, there, my guess is the largest number of hands went up on that last one. You have seen an eldership, uh, elders resign or an eldership dissolve. Okay, uh, thank you for helping me, you know, kind of know where you all are. And, I don't know, maybe you've not talked a lot about that. And you get to see kind of where you yourselves are. And, and uh, you have a lot of experience with a lot of different things in this area. And that's good. And... Uh, I'd like, if you don't mind, I'd like for us to pray together. I'd like to lead us in a prayer at the beginning of this. And um, and I'm going to try to help us pray the kind of prayer that God would want us to be praying regularly for qualified men to serve as elders and for a congregation to work with elders in a good way. And I hope some, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you all pray about this from time to time. I hope it's regularly and fervently uh, a part of what this congregation thinks about and takes to God together in, in your all's prayers together. So would you bow with me and, and let's pray as we begin this series. Our gracious God, we, we come humbly before you acknowledging your greatness. We're confident of your authority and power and we know it's right and good. Your ways are best. And as we search the scriptures, we know that your people are benefited best by oversight and your work is accelerated and works so efficiently when there is leadership uh, that is qualified and working together in a good way. And we, we want that to be true of your people everywhere. And we know the need is great. And we pray for this group of Christians here at Lakeside that you'll bless them, bless their work together. May unity and love define these people in their faithful walk with you. We pray that among them there will be men who will step forward, who will be qualified according to your word, who will be willing to serve, and who will offer themselves like they have learned to always do in their life in whatever ways they can be useful in your kingdom.
And, and so with such a heart, may that, may that lead them to serve as shepherds here. We pray that when such men work and this congregation loves them and supports them, that, that this congregation will then immediately begin doing the kind of work that will, will help there to always be elders serving this congregation, that young men will be thinking about this and preparing for it, that their, their choices of their mates, the way they raise their children, their influence in this community will all be uh, in such a way that will allow them to glorify you in whatever way they serve you and perhaps some as shepherds in, your, in this church. We, we pray that you'll bless our efforts in these next four days to talk about this subject, that you'd take uh, our, our meetings and discussions in, in every way where you want them to go, that all the good that you see possible could be realized, that will not slow you down or get in your way of doing that, and our hearts will be open, that you'll change us and fill us and move us. May your people glorify you in this generation. We ask these blessings and pray your guidance through Christ our Savior. Okay, well, we're going to be, uh, you've given me the opportunity to spend a good bit of time uh, talking and preaching over these next four days, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, I want this, I want to talk this morning and ask you to turn your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and talk about the lesson that I've called um, Gifted Differently. And, and really what I want to say, what I want to show, <clears throat> is that your part in the kingdom of God comes about with special attention given to you by God. That you have gifts that God wants you to use. There are no members of the body of Christ that do not have a vital function. And so the notion that you can just sort of Anybody can just sit on the sidelines and just take it all in and and soak it in and without giving much thought to giving back and working and growing and serving and some that 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 notion of Christianity just doesn't work. It's it's foreign to the Bible, and so this there's we are all recipients of gifts that come from God, and then we're to use them. Now, one of those ways, as you'll see immediately here in Ephesians chapter four, one of those ways is to serve God as a shepherd, a pastor, uh, looking over the, for the welfare of other Christians. And th- that, that is really important and a gift given by God in, in the sense of a responsibility uh, to serve and help other people. And we need, to, we need to exercise our gifts and we need to do what we ought to do. And that way of thinking about our lives as Christians is what I offer as fundamental to our service to God. The way we look at things. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse number 11, Christ gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Okay, Christ gives gifts to men. He really does. And we are the recipients of them. And this is a partial list of some of the gifts that he gives. And there are, what, five mentioned there? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Notice the, the pastors, the, the shepherds that are, that are mentioned there. And that, that all five of these gifts are given for the purpose of equipping all the other saints to themselves be serving. So that the picture of the body of Christ is every member is humming. I mean, they're, they're working efficiently. They're moving at maximum capacity. And they're happy to be doing so. And there are people who are helping them do that. Watching over them, protecting them, taking care of them, so that they can work at maximum capacity. And then when that happens, you get down to verse number 16, and that causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's how the church grows. And so every one of us needs to see our place in the body of Christ like this. We're to be working, we're to be serving. And as we all do that in a harmonious, loving, each doing our unique part, then that's what God got had in mind from the very beginning. That's what the Lord's church is supposed to look like. Okay, so I'm assuming I'm talking to most everybody here is a Christian. I'm assuming that's the case. Okay, that's, that's you, that's me, that's every one of us. What God has given you the ability to do Shift it into high gear. Keep your eyes on the goal. Serve Jesus Christ with gratitude and prayer and eagerness and put it all on the line and know that your brothers and your sisters in Christ here at Lakeside are doing exactly the same thing. And you pray for them and you help them to do that. And this church grows that way. That's the plan of God. And among this group of people, there will be Shepherds, and there'll be deacons, and there'll be Bible class teachers, and there'll be preachers, and there'll, there'll be all the things that are needed within the Lord's church. Those needs will be met when when men and women are thinking like this: I'm a servant, I'm equipped, and I'm putting it all on the line. Okay. Now there are several really interesting lists that make this point. And I've got to watch the clock. So let me uh, hasten on. First, First Corinthians chapter 12 is the second passage. Uh, I'm not going to be using PowerPoint for these next four days. So if you're taking notes, and I see that you are, Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, and there, verse 16 was the first passage. And then First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 uh, is uh, the second passage. And really, that it's the whole... Chapter 12, the, the, there were some problems at, at Corinth, and the, there were problems that arose around spiritual gifts, and there were jealousies, and there was pride, and there was a feeling of uh, un, unneeded and underappreciated, that kind of thinking there. So there were some problems going on at Corinth. And so the instruction given here is that, hey, look, 
the, the body of Christ is like our physical bodies, and we've got different parts, and each part's important, and none of your, none of your parts of the body are, are more important than others, and, and some of those parts are just lowly, and, and they look, they, they look with jealousy at, at somebody else. That's not the way our bodies work, and that's not the way it's supposed to work in the Lord's church. So, <coughs> excuse me, I made note of verse number 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. Now just, just think, just allow yourself to acknowledge what the passage, what this passage says about the supervising power of God to put things in their proper place. God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. Okay, you're here for a purpose. You're equipped to do something. And it's important to the body. And so your, your mind, as you think about yourself as a Christian, your mind is to think, okay, how am I equipped and how can I serve? And then verse number 27 of uh, this same chapter, uh, now we are Christ's body and individually members of it. That's, that's the case. Then look at Romans chapter 12. And beginning with verse number 3. Here's a, an interesting list of gifts given. <clears throat> they are not the miraculous gifts talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Um, they're, I don't know what you call the opposite of miraculous gifts. I, I, in my notes, I have called them common gifts. I don't know. If somebody gives me a gift, by its very nature, it's special. You know, I say it's common is kind of an insulting thing. So I don't know the right word, but these aren't miraculous gifts, but they are nonetheless gifts given. And what a remarkable list it is. I'd like for you to read it with me. Romans chapter 12, and we'll start with verse number 3. We'll read down through verse number 8. But through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Okay, I'm going to read that first part of verse 6 again. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or He who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, best I can tell, we're all supposed to be cheerful. In fact, I think there are relationships in life in which all of us are supposed to lead. And surely all of us are supposed, supposed to exhort other people to proper, good behavior. And so I have simply said so far that 
the, the list of gifts given in verses 6, 7, and 8, well, there's a sense in which those gifts, maybe excluding prophecy, are, are to be a part of all of us. But, of course, that's not the point being made here. Not to say that these are the possession of every Christian. What it really says is that God has made sure that there are people who are specifically blessed, equipped, they're, they're especially good at some of these things. And you might be on this, you might be the possessors of some of, of the things on this list. I, I am sure you are. And what I mean by that is that there are some who, 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 who have a knack for serving other people. They, they look out for the welfare of other people. They, 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 they forget themselves for the care of others. Do you know people who are, who are just amazing servants of other people? Yeah, I suspect that you do. I, I do as well. I think that's what's being talked about here. Or some who are teachers. Maybe we're all supposed to be teaching in some way, but, but there are others, there are some who are, who are really good at that. They're, they work hard at it. They, they, they always are learning the, the, the mechanics of effective teaching, and they're trying to do that in an ever better way. They, they just, they have the gift to teach. You know what somebody like that is supposed to do? Exactly what this verse says. They're supposed to teach. And people who serve are supposed to be out there serving. And if you have the, the, the I don't know, the, the knack, the, the gift, the ability to get into the heart of people and to talk with them patiently and lovingly and move them from point A to point B. If you're good at exhorting people to proper you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to recognize that and you're supposed to get out there and exhort people. And, and God's made an investment in you. Don't let him down. There's, these gifts have been given so that they might each exercise them according, in a, in a way harmonizes with the gift that they've been given. So now, you, you've not heard me say a whole lot about elders right now. I know that. But what you have been hearing me say a whole lot about that the Bible says is that the, the way God has made his church is that we're all supposed to be people who understand that we are recipients of gifts that God has given to us. He, he's made us members of the body and members of each other, and we're supposed to be working that way. And so this mindset is, is in place, and it's the mindset that will lead to people becoming elders, to men becoming elders. Now, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and there's a lesson coming on where do elders come from. I'm already telling you where they come from. There's nothing magic about it. Nothing magic about this at all. They come from the same place that every other Christian comes from, who says, I'm a, I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and so my, my place in this life, my place in this kingdom, my place in this world is to be like this. I'm stepping forward. Huh. And I, I know there are people who can do this better. I know there are people who can teach this better. I know there are people who can help other people better. I've got the job to do what I can do. And you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to step forward. And that, and that mindset, when it's a part of everybody in a local, that's what God wants. And that's how you get elders. A man's willing to go from here to here because that's the way he lives his life. He's always been doing that. He's learned that second nature to him. He steps up and he uses what God's given him the ability and the responsibility, the opportunity to do. That's, what he does. that's the way he lives his life. That's how you get elders. Now, and then, you know, you'll say, okay, how does an elder, how does a church work with elders? All right, we're already talking about it now. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it Monday night. You want to put a burden, you want to put a burden on on an elder's shoulders? You want to make his work hard? I'll tell you how to do it. Sit on the sideline and do nothing. Imagine yourself as a member of a church that your job is to come in and take without ever giving. You want to keep an elder up at night? You want to sap his energy? That's what you want to do. But on the other hand, when an elder gets to work with a group of people and they're all kicking in, they're on every cylinder, everybody, man and woman, boy and girl, who is a child of God, they're giving it their all. There is no greater gift that you could give an elder than to be a Christian like that. So we are not off topic this morning by talking about this matter of us all being gifted differently. In fact, I submit we are, we are at, the, at the starting place, the building block. If this is not in place, we're going to have problems along the way. Maybe never even having elders appointed in local congregations, or if they are, their their work is going to be made so much more difficult. And perhaps another generation is going to come along and say, "Wow, I would never want I would never want that those kind of responsibilities. I would never want those kind of things to deal with. I don't want to be an elder." And then before long, one generation is blessed by shepherds, and another generation comes along, and there's nobody close. Maybe you've seen that happen. I have. May God help it to be just the opposite of that. And everybody can contribute to doing doing that. Okay, now, okay, so it's, um, I've not said anything profound by simply saying that we are to understand that we're the recipients of gifts and we're to put them to work. You've probably heard a, a thousand sermons that say somewhat the same thing. Okay, and, and I'm not apologizing for what I've said already. It needs to be said, and it needs to be said in relation to this subject. But I want to add to that a little bit something. Now, how do you get there? Okay, how, how, how do... If, if someone intellectually says, yes... I get what the Bible says about Christians in the body of Christ. How do you get from intellectually understanding that to being somebody who is kicking in with all cylinders? I mean, you're going full bore. How do you get there? I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to say, first of all, that there are a lot of places in our society that ask the same question. And we could look around and say, well, how do they get everybody all excited and working and hard? 
It's election season. And there are signs in the front yards of a bunch of people in Newcastle, Indiana, and maybe there are around here, I don't know. And there are political parties who are wanting all of their members fired up and kicking on all cylinders. And you could, if you wanted to, think, how do they do that? How do they get everybody out to vote? Okay. Or you could say, well, um, our, our nation has been at war before. Some of you, mm, maybe not, maybe some of you remember the, how things were in our country in World War II. And food was rationed and um, oh, rubber and, and uh, copper. Uh, these things were needed for military uses, and so our country made sacrifices. And at the beginning of movies, there were um, information given about the war and and the the validity for it. And in fact, all of that came up. What it, what it did was to mobilize an entire nation to bring us together, basically, and remarkably, actually, bring us together to support. A war in which it cost the lives of thousands of American soldiers. And we were a nation that saw the need for such sacrifice. How did you get that? How did, how did that happen? How did the whole country get mobilized like that? I think that's worth thinking about. Because that is their version of what we're talking about here spiritually. But now we don't have to ask political parties how you did it. We don't have to ask uh, nations how you mobilized. The fact is, we have in the Bible examples of how God's people got going and everybody did their part. We have examples of how that happened. And I want to... We don't have time to go into them in detail, but we'll talk about them here just real briefly. Um, one of them is from the book of Nehemiah. And the story there is after 141 years of the walls around Jerusalem being broken down and neglected, Nehemiah comes out of captivity with no money and no political clout and with a history of nobody doing anything about those broken down walls. <coughs> And in 52 days, 52 days, the walls were rebuilt. And they were rebuilt even though there were enemies trying to stop them from the outside. And there were enemies that rose up from within God's people to stop them. And in spite of all that kind of opposition, in spite of it, the workers just kept going. Uh, Chapter 4, I think it's verse number 10. Of Nehemiah says, they, the people had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. Now I'll tell you what, Nehemiah's job is made a whole lot easier when the people he's working with have a mind to work. So they, they dealt with the enemies. Oh, I was five minutes, uh-huh, I know. But I was five minutes off of my estimated time of stopping, so <clears throat> I'm sorry. All right, so there's Nehemiah. Uh, you know, study that book and think. How did you get a whole nation of people, unlikely heroes, 
no chance in the world they were going to succeed from an earthly point of view. But look what they did. How'd that happen? Or you, you follow Jesus in his training of the apostles. And what an unlikely group of, of uh, successful people. I mean, full of disappointments. They seemed so slow to catch on. <clears throat> they failed in so many ways. And yet the record of history is within 30 years, <coughs> these people and those they taught turned the world upside down. And that same gospel preached today has turned your life upside down and my life too and people all over the world. How'd that happen? <clears throat> I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And, and that will take us down a road that helps us think, uh, helps us understand how you get people today kicking on all cylinders and, and, and going full bore. How, how did they do that? Well, let me summarize at least from my studies, <coughs> excuse me, got a tickle in my throat, <clears throat> and I'm not sure which one's going to win. <clears throat> Let me summarize some of the things that happened here with them. <clears throat> they were willing, they were a group of people who were willing to do what had not been done before. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, I don't know how long it's been since this church has had elders. Let's just imagine it's never had elders. Let's just imagine there hadn't been elders here for 141 years. <coughs> I've got a cough drop. <clears throat> I just didn't want to give in. So how do you get a church that doesn't have, hadn't had elders for 141 years <coughs> to have elders? They begin to do what had not been done before. <clears throat> Bless your heart. Thank you. They, they, were, they were people who were willing to study the Bible. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, <clears throat> they opened the book. They were willing to pray. They had a mind to work. Uh, the subject of prayer is the beginning of Nehemiah and the end of Nehemiah. There are 12 different times in the book where they prayed together. <clears throat> you, you can't get people mobilized and working as they ought to unless they are devoted to prayer. They've got to be willing to open the book and study what it says and change. And to repent of, of uh, past neglect and past sin and mean it. <clears throat> they wept. They had to be restrained from their weeping for their sins. They were, this was personal to them. <coughs> it was in the day of Nehemiah, and it was to the apostles. This was not just uh, a formal responsibility that they were meeting. It, these things were personal to them. They were personally invested, and it was not because of what somebody else was doing. It was because of their relationship to God. And <coughs> excuse me. In both cases, they were blessed with leaders who were able to keep their head above the clouds and at times of great difficulty remind everybody else the Lord is going to fight for us. The Lord is not going to neglect us. We all need to be working. <coughs> leaders need to do that. Leaders need to see that and say that and keep everybody encouraged and reminded, who's the boss here? 
It's not Sanballat and Tobiah, days of Nehemiah. It's not the unbelieving Roman Empire in the days of the, New, of the New Testament. The one who's in charge is God. He'll fight for us. He'll take care of us. And leaders remind everybody else of that, especially at dark times when everything feels so shaky. And you put all these things together, <clears throat> these qualities together, and you work diligently, and you pray faithfully, and you keep the book open, and you work with people who care enough to pray, uh, to, to be sorrowful for their sins, have a mind to work. You put these people together, the walls can be rebuilt in 52 days, and a world can be turned upside down in 30 years. That's what can happen when people who are gifted differently have a mind to work. The world will never believe what such people can do to the glory of God. And may that, may that kind of work, may that kind of faith characterize this church now and in the days to come. Alright, well thank you for letting us begin this way and look forward to the days that are ahead.